Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. I'm James Taylor and joining me as usual to talk about J2 is John Steele. John, how are you? Hi James, uh, good good morning. Uh, Monday morning recording is uh, very uh, welcome. Yes, I'm good. I'm good. Hope you're well too. Yes, yeah, I can see a little bit of uh, non-grey sky, which is, uh, well, it's quite nice, but uh, yeah, still a bit odd talking in the morning, but uh, mm. as usual, we'll try and get through it. And uh, we've we've not got any games to review this week, but we have got some pretty big games to preview because on Saturday the 25th and Sunday the 26th, we've got the J2 playoff semi-finals. So Saturday the 25th at one o'clock, fourth place Shimizu S-Pulse play fifth place Montedio Yamagata. And then on Sunday the 26th at three o'clock, third place Tokyo Verdi play sixth place Jeff United. So uh, let's let's start with the Saturday game, John Shimizu against Yamagata. Uh, what are you what are you thinking about this game? What are you looking forward to, or any 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 idea how it's going to go? Mm, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. First of all, yeah, definitely excitement is building for for both of these games. I think it's going to be a fascinating uh, weekend in prospects. But by fascinating, I mean I have no idea how these games may go. It's really really difficult to call, isn't it? In in J two, I think. Um, Maybe the games between teams during the regular season can be a guide. So I, ju- I just look back. I think Yamagata actually beat Shimizu 2-1 at N Soft Stadium back mm. in the regular season. But Shimizu were, were much too good for Yamagata when they played at uh, Nihon Daira. Right? I think Shimizu won 3-0 and, and all three of the goals mm. were before half-time. So um, based on the fact that Shimizu beat Yamagata at home in the league during the regular season, you would imagine... You know, some kind of supercomputer might might say that Shimizu would be favourites to 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 go through to the final. Um, we should add in at this point the usual disclaimer that the a draw is good enough for Shimizu, isn't it? As the highest ranked team from the, the regular season, as long as they draw the game, they'll, they'll advance. Um, we've debated the merits and, and demerits of that system a few times, so we, we we don't need to redress it here. But yeah, basically Shimizu just need to to grind out a draw and they can go through to the next round. The the caveats, I think, for me, would be Yamagata on this uh, this run of five straight wins, aren't they, going into the yeah. playoffs? They, they're in, in really red-hot form, whereas Shimizu just had that crushing kind of final day where they started the match day uh, in second place and, and just needed to win their game to, to clinch automatic promotion. They weren't able to do that. They only drew um, away at Mito, and that enabled a sort of... Um, disliked uh, neighbours Iwata to snatch second spot. So I think on paper, you know, football-wise, I think Shimizu are a stronger team. They have a bit more firepower up front. They're also at home and they only need a draw to go through. That all sounds like very good, very good news for them. The wild card would be Yamagata being in red hot form and obviously got their confidence up and also playoff experience because Yamagata have been, the player, uh, been in the playoffs last season. They've been in the playoffs a few times before. We think it's new new territory for Shimizu. So um, that was a long-winded way of saying I've got no idea. Uh, James, uh, how about you? Also no idea. I think we should. I think listeners take it as read that we have no idea how anything is going to play out on any given week mm. in J2 mm. because it is... Uh, one of the uh, most unpredictable leagues in the world, along with J1 and J3. Um, I think your, your point about the, the last week of the season, the last match day, is a good one. Because Shimizu had the, the, the disappointment of dropping into the playoff places on the last day, whereas Yamagata had the, uh, the excitement and of, of jumping into... Uh, up into the the playoff places by by winning on the last day, especially with that late goal, I think um, that might have some bearing. As like you said, the form Yamagata five straight wins. They've they've won six, lost two, drawn two of their last ten. Whereas Shimizu have only won five, uh, lost two, drawn three, and they they lost to Kumamoto a few weeks ago as well, didn't they? It was a big surprise. Mm. Um, so. It's hard to know. I mean, I, I mean, Shimizu team is is packed full of experienced players. They played at a higher level. I mean, they've got a lot of them played in J1 last year. They've got guys who played in World Cups, so they know how to get themselves up for these big games. I think the disappointment of the last match day should be something they can use as as positive motivation for this this weekend. I think with Yamagata. They were yeah, riding the crest of a wave. Just like last year, they got in uh, into the playoffs in fifth, I think. 
maybe in sixth, I can't remember. And then in the first round, because they were in form, they they absolutely battered um, the third place Okayama. Oh yes, they came they came sixth, didn't they? And they 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 beat mm. Okayama three 0 away mm. to such an extent that Okayama started having hissy fits all over the pitch. Um, by the end of the game, it was pretty funny uh, to watch <laughs> from a neutral's perspective. So I think this, yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, so just the draw is all they need, but. Uh, yeah, and, and it's, it's, you can't predict it, can you? But I think it's going to be very, very interesting. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think both of these teams have got um, attacking talents. They've both got good goalies. Defensively, not so not so sure. I mean, that's not to say that they're, they're bad. I just think that their attacks always outshine their defences. Mm. So I, I think we're in for an interesting one there. Hmm. Okay. What about Sunday then? Verdi, third place Verdi against sixth place Jeff. Mm, how do you, yeah. How do you feel this one. Yeah, I think this just has the. Uh, we, we're talking sort of, you know, on Monday morning ahead of the game, and it already feels like a potential sort of classic, um, you know, big match vibe, doesn't it? It's going to be a very, very big crowd inside the stadium, you would think, by by Tokyo Verdi home game, home game standards. I think Jeff have already sold out the, the initial allocation of away tickets they were given. And mm. um, I think it may well, may well, sorry, I'll try that again. It may well end up being a more sort of like 50-50 uh, split in the stadium. Um, you yeah. know, it's obviously Tokyo Verdi. Um, a really really nice team to go and watch but not 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 the not not the biggest number of home supporters so it's going to be a really interesting uh kind of game in terms of just seeing the stadium you know half half clad in sort of green and half clad in in jeff's yellow so i think um they, they did have a dry run of this match just a few weeks ago didn't they because yeah. uh, verdi did play chiba uh, at home at the end of the uh, end of the regular league season um round 41 or round 40 or 41 if they, if that if memory serves and again i mean not not to just copy and paste from the previous chat uh, james it's really difficult to pick um a winner here um in the regular season jeff managed to beat verdi 1-0 at fukuda denshi and then as mentioned the the game at ajinomoto between the two was a, a cracker wasn't it verdi won 3-2 but only because they scored twice kind of in in stoppage time didn't they the 90th and 92nd minutes so chiba were well in uh, well in contention until just sort of um everything went wrong in the last couple of minutes so i um for some reason i'm leaning uh, verdi woods I'm not really sure why that is. I think maybe if you look at the, just to go back to the Shimizu Yamagata game for a second, in my head, Shimizu finished kind of much higher up the league than Yamagata, but the reality is they were one place apart and only two points, right? I think, uh, you know, Shimizu was just a couple of points ahead of Yamagata and worse for Verdi, you know, they ended up on 75 and they, they were only off automatic promotion on goal difference. Whereas mm. Chiba eight points further back. Now I don't know if that means Verdi are kind of eight points stronger team, uh, but I think the fact that they picked up eight eight more points during the regular season could be significant. Verdi did have that long stretch of home games where they weren't winning during the yeah. season and they weren't scoring many goals, but they seem to have kind of cracked that now. So I don't think they'll have any um, any fear uh, going into the game. And uh, yeah, Jeff Chiba, I, I, you don't know, do you? You just don't know what you're going to get. They've they've surprised us time and time again this season by being a bit more a bit more sort of rugged, um, you know, a bit bit harder to beat than in the past. So yeah, I have no, no idea which which way this game uh, might go. I think it's interesting. That apparently, there's um, the the Jeff Chiba supporters behind the goal. They're going to be split into two sections because directly behind the goal at the away end, there's some problem with the roof. Ajinomoto mm-hmm. Stadium, it's damaged or it's unsafe in some way at the moment, um, which is very a very rare, a uh, very rare thing to happen in the J League, um, yeah. I think. But yeah, the, the Jeff Chiba supporters are going to be split into kind of a couple of different sections. Whether that will have any impact uh, noise-wise or in terms of chant chant coordination, I don't know if that'll make any difference on the day. But um, Tokyo Verde have been hugely impressive this season, and uh, I think Jeff Chiba less impressive on the pitch, but the, the fact that it's Jeff and they finished six is impressive in and of itself, con- considering their re- recent history. So I think if we get a game as good as the three-two from the end of the league season, we'll be uh, we'll have done well. That'll be that'll be a cracking entertainment. But yeah, it's just so it's impossible to see really for me to see this which way this game might go. What what, what do you think? Yeah, again, it's yeah, it's oh, I don't know. I mean, but I'll I'll talk for a few minutes anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, like so that 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 
that three two was a was a a crazy one, wasn't it? Three late goals for Verdi in that. And and I think whereas in the the other game we talked about just now, I think for, from Shimizu, I kind of sense in a lot of like desperation to get out of the division as soon as possible. Like we've got to get out this year. We're mm. a J one club kind of thing. We can't be slumming it in J two for too long. Of course, these two teams, Verdi and, and Jeff, have been slumming it in J two for quite a long time now. And uh, Verdi is the last time they were in the playoffs was two thousand nineteen. I can't remember the last time Jeff were in the playoffs. Um, I think they're in the playoffs in about 2012 because they actually uh, they they lost one nil to Kyoto in the final. Um, mm. I think that year. That I think that's right. Let me. I got my make on handy, so let me check. They must have been in. They must have been like 2016 or something. They were in. I'm sure they were. I can remember them playing away at Yokohama FC in the playoffs and winning. But yeah, you might be right. Hang on. 2014, they finished third. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah, that sounds about right, doesn't it? 2014. Oh, 2017, they finished sixth. So 2017. Mm, 2017. Yeah. I'm um, checking. Let's see what happened then. I'm checking. 2017. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they lost okay, They lost, lost to Nagoya to in the semi. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, so Jeff Jeff last got to the playoffs in 2017. Then um, they lost to to Nagoya. Thank you, Wikipedia. And uh, so, But for, for these two teams, I think... Well, for Verdi, I think it's it's more a case of, wow, we finished third. This is great. Let's enjoy it. Whereas, uh, you know, compared to, to the feeling from from Shimizu and for Jeff, yeah, I said they're much more rugged. They're much more robust than in previous years. Um, that a couple of that that three two loss to Verdi, they bounced back from that and they won the next week. Um, they had a difficult time against Iwaki, but they still found a way to win. Losing on the last day to Nagasaki, where they, they played really poorly. But I think that might be one of those things where, you know, sometimes teams can just brush that off and say, OK, today we were really bad, but that's not how we are usually. It was just one of those days. Three mistakes, three goals. But just don't let it happen again. So I, I, I can't imagine that that will have bothered them too much um, because it's not like it really affected their position. I mean, they would have had an away game anyway mm, mm. for the first round of the playoffs so it's not like it, it's it's altered their their route to j1 too drastically so and and looking at the form the last 10 games verdi had 10 games unbeaten six wins and four draws jeff seven wins two losses and a draw so they're both in reasonable form uh, well <laughs> very good form in verdi's case jeff as well have had and earlier in the season, they had that excellent um, winning run and unbeaten run. So, yeah, I think this is going to be another really good one. Um, if, if if last year's playoffs are anything to go by, we are not going to get the kind of cagey uh, playoff matches that you sometimes get in other other countries or other playoff competitions. Because last year's were pretty uh, pretty dramatic. Mm, Early goals, think, late yeah. goals. I don't think Yamagata and Tokyo Verdi know how to play cagely, really. Yeah. Well, neither do uh, Shimizu, really. I think they. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, maybe they do at the back, but they they tend to 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 score a lot at the other end. So I think we might like last year. We might see some draws, um, but I don't think we're going to see any goalless draws uh, this weekend. And. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm just uh, happy that the, the J League has put the games on separate days as well, so we can actually watch both. Because it wouldn't have put it past them to have them uh, overlapping by an hour or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the playoff semi-finals. There is one game next Wednesday as well in the Asian Champions League Group H. Kofu, who are second in the group, are at home or at the National Stadium to Melbourne City, who are first in the group. That's at seven o'clock on Wednesday, the 29th. Um, both teams are on seven points, but uh, oh, then they both have a goal difference of two as well. So this is quite a big one because just behind them, uh, Buriram United are on six points. So this uh, this game could could uh, have a, a very well, probably will have a very large bearing on who gets through to the knockout round. Uh, just quickly, John, any any thoughts on this game? Um, yeah, well, I mean, we, we've talked not at great length about Kofu's ACL uh, adventure, but they've been pretty good, haven't they, over the, the, the mm-hmm. first four games? And I 
Uh, I haven't done the, the the math because, as is well established, it's it's pointless me 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 doing sums. But um, I think as long as Kofu win this match against Melbourne City, they'll be pretty much as good as in the next round, won't they? So if if they, um, considering they've had that disappointment, that gut punch of missing out on the J two playoffs, I think if they can make it through to the the knockout round of the ACL, then that that would probably still represent a a pretty good uh, season for them. As we discussed before, the the ACL group stage started with there was a possibility i don't actually know really the level of a lot of other leagues in asia because I, I don't watch them very closely so i was a bit worried that kofu might get their um might get their clocks cleaned on a weekly you know on a you know every fortnight uh, every wednesday but it's not been the case they've been really really good and uh yeah it's good good for the j league to have a team from j2 riding high so i hope they can get the win uh, against melbourne and, and we'll see how far they can go in the in the acl yeah i agree having seen I, i've never really followed this competition particularly closely um but having seen how some of like the j1's sort of big hitters have have struggled in in recent years at times it, it, i also was was thinking oh well kofu a second division team they're, they're not gonna not gonna have much fun uh, on the pitch and especially and then after that first the first like squad select or team selection when it was like a, a, a b slash c team Thinking, oh, okay, but they they did well to get that that goalless draw in Melbourne when they could have won it really, and then obviously they 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 picked up seven points from their first four games, which is good. They're in a position to get through, and now because they're not in the playoffs, of course that's disappointing, but it means that they've got their whole squad to choose from. They don't have to worry about balancing commitments for weekend league matches or playoff matches. They can really go full on for these mm. last two games in this competition. In the group stage, and hopefully extends their stay in the competition through to the the knockout rounds. I think it's going to be very interesting. Uh, their last game is going to be against um, uh, it's Buriram United, isn't it? And that's away. So yeah, a, a result in this match would be very helpful for them. Mm. Mm. Yes, right. you don't you don't really want to be going to the uh, Thunder Castle needing any points. That, is that the name of that? Is that really the name of that? Today? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So that's right up there with uh, Spotland in, uh, is that Rotherham or Rochdale? I can't remember. Uh, Spotland is Rochdale, yes. Yeah. Yes, good yes. Name. I nearly said yeah. Thunderdome, but I'm pretty sure it's Thundercastle. I think Thunderdome is something else. Yeah, well, now I'm thinking of Thundercats. So uh, let's move on because uh, mm. that's, that's a different pod, which uh, I'm sure we can make for the patrons <laughs> after the end of the season. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the managerial changes that have been confirmed for J2 teams or teams dropping into J3. Um, so, we, 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 to my knowledge, seven teams have confirmed their managers are leaving. Um, I'll just list them first, and then we can we can you can pick who you want to talk about. Really, so Oita mm-hmm. have announced that Takahiro Shimotaira is leaving after two seasons with the club. Sendai. Uh, parting ways with Takafumi Hori after half a season. Uh, Yu Tokisaki is leaving Tochigi after two years. Uh, Juan Esnaider is leaving Yamaguchi after yeah half a year. Uh, same with Masato Harasaki. He only took over at Omiya in May. He's going. And uh, Masaki Yanagishita is leaving Kanazawa after seven years. Don't necessarily have to talk about that one because... Uh, we wanted to keep this short, and also I'm saving it for for Victor in a few weeks. He's furiously scribbling notes. I'm sure Oof. Oof. he must be onto about his fourth notebook by now. Yeah, <laughs> that's why he's so quiet on social media at the yeah. moment. He's just locked in his uh, in his study. Yeah. <laughs> so, any any of these that you particularly want to uh, want to talk about? Yeah, I think managerial changes are sometimes tricky to talk about because basically if the team has done well, the manager has their contract renewed. Mm. Uh, and if the teams have done badly, then managers uh, tend to leave or be fired. So the, the relegated teams losing their manager is no surprise. I don't think uh, Sendai were not relegated, but they had an awful season and I think Hori they they just they wouldn't really been able to continue with him with him in charge and, and, and rebuild the squad for next year. I think the interesting one from the ones listed well they're they're all interesting, but Tochi is an interesting one. Mm. Because I think managerial changes are usually a good insight into the front office of a club's kind of expectations for the season. 
So mm. I don't know about you, James. I don't want to speak out of turn about Tochigi, but I kind of feel like finishing a handful of points above the relegation places is kind of standard Tochigi. Yeah. Um, considering the size of the club and the wage bill, for example. So it's interesting to see that uh, just a quick glance at the table and you see Tochigi in 19th. It's a bit lower down the table than you'd probably like, ideally, but they, they were well clear of their five, six points clear relegation in the end. So they were OK. Um, as someone on the outside looking in, that seems like mission accomplished for Tochigi. So mm. it's interesting to see that they are going to be uh, they're going to have someone else in charge for next season, and I, I wonder if um, basically my my point is who who is going to do better than that with those resources? I mean, I know they do have they had some really good players in the team, like Kazuki Fuji, the goalkeeper, for example, mm. uh, on loan this year. But yeah, I wonder if they a new manager coming in to get them much higher than sort of 16th, 17th, 18th is going to need uh, money for players. I think. Mm. Um, I know arguing against that there are teams that have punched above their weight in the league like you know your Akitas and, and, and Fujiadas for example this year mm. but in general to get higher up the league you do need investment in, in the playing staff that's, that's, the, that's the best way to do it so I'm interested to see who comes in at Tochigi because I wasn't sure I don't think Yutokisaki did such a bad job um, mm. so he, he's, he's the surprising one for me but how about you? Yeah I was a little surprised I mean last year they were 17th and this year 19th so in terms of league placing, it's it's not an improvement, and and I guess, well, I guess the, the the club were looking for for that, but also perhaps to change the 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 style. I mean, it hasn't really changed that much from from my impression. I don't watch that much Tochigi, so I may be wrong, um, but that again is a disclaimer that we should put at the start of every episode. Uh, I might be wrong. Um, it seems like not much has changed in terms of the way they play from when they had Tasaka, they, they always, my impression was of a, a, a defensive minded team who would not score many, mm. look, to, look to keep it tight and try to try to win, you know, sort of one nil or something like that. And from what I've seen of Tokiseki's Tochigi, they only really seem to open up in the cup, in the Empress Cup, they would like go all out attack, well not all out attack, but be much more free flowing. And when I watched them in the league, they were much more sort of standard, sort of stereotypical Tochigi. And I wonder if perhaps that was a, a consideration as well, that the, mm. the, the front office wanted uh, perhaps a change of style. Mm. Well, if the and, front office has been listening to Sean Carroll, and I, I do take his point, he's like, you may as well have a go, you know, at, yeah. the, at, the, at the bottom of JT. You may as well like t- take the handbrake off and let teams... Let teams have a go, you know. Let your team have a go at someone. So maybe the front office at Tochigi uh, feels the same. Yeah, well, and 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 they're right to because, well, I mean, his record is not bad. Ninety games, twenty-five wins, thirty draws, thirty-five losses. That's okay, but I guess they they'll be looking at, for example, Gumma, who their first year under Odski they just avoided relegation, and then this year they were in the playoff hunt for for most of the year until the final few weeks so perhaps they were looking at well 17th with Tokisaki last year has not converted into uh pushing up the table this year and so maybe it's time to go in a different direction possibly as well the oh sorry James I was just going to mention that I think they've they've obviously shifted most of their home games now from the old uh, Tochigi Green Stadium to the Kanseki um, which is much bigger and has the track. I haven't actually kept a close eye on the attendances, but I imagine they're only getting three, 4,000 crowds for, mm. for games there. So I wonder if there's perhaps a uh, a line of thought that if a more swashbuckling style might attract a few more supporters um, yeah. you know, through, through the gate. Because I think at the old... Tochigi Green Stadium is very compact, and even when there were four thousand people in there, it didn't wasn't as noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, quite a lot of empty seats, obviously, and very visibly around the the, the new stadium, the Kanseki Stadium. So I wonder if there's a con, you know, a school of thought of like, well, if we play attacking football, even if we don't win every week, if there are more goals, um, mm-hmm. maybe a few more, a few more fans will will come come through the gate. So Yuki uh, Yuki Stalf's time might have come. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about um, Oita as well, actually, quickly, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, Takahiro Shimotaira, he's had two years there. Uh, they finished fifth last year and ninth this year. For a while this year, they were up in the top two and they were keeping pace with Machido at the start of the year and just fell away completely. And for a while, then they were, they were only just in the top half. Um, so he's 
kind of paid paid for that failure to to make the playoffs with his job. Um, and I guess really they they were looking to come back up, right? There. I mean, they're not a stereotypical big club, but they came down from J one mm. a couple of years ago, and they would have been looking to get back. I'm sure they would have been looking to have been closer to J one than they have been in the end. Mm. What what do you think about this this news? Yeah, funny, funny team, Oita. I think they're in the kind of yo-yo category, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. they, depending on which year you started following the J-League, you might visualise them as being like a J-1 side. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're definitely a J-2 side these days, clearly, <laughs> as the table goes. <laughs> and I think in terms of, obviously, they have the huge um, J-1 quality stadium uh, mm-hmm. in the form of the big eye. But on, on the pitch, financially, I think a couple of years ago, they really went through it, didn't they, financially? Mm-hmm. And we're in really big trouble. And I think that they've steadied things a little bit now. Obviously, money is uh, is hard to come by. They don't they don't spend big on players or wages necessarily. Uh, I think in a way that's been a good thing because they've brought through some really interesting, uh, good young players um, mm. in the in the squad. Um, yeah, Shimatai is an interesting one. I can speak a little bit about him because he was a Yokohama FC manager. Yeah, uh, at the start of the season uh, last time they were in they were in J1 and then and then left. So he does seem to have this ability to the, the team sort of peaks with him after about like he's been in charge for about 15 18 months mm-hmm. and then his ideas seem to have been like gotten on board by the players and they're doing what he wants to do but then it, it, it seems to go wrong quite quickly after that mm-hmm. so i'm not really sure um he seems like a really nice guy and he's always very popular with the players yeah. Like uh, if I've seen, um, I think the team that I've seen most like jumping around in a circle, going oi, 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 after winning a game is is probably Oita. So um, that 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 seems to be the, um, the the sort of keenest indicator of team spirit in the J League now. Is like if if you can if all the players can get in a huddle and jump jump around in a circle, that that proves everything's everything's going well. So um, yeah, in terms of jumping around in a circle, they're one of the best best teams this year. Because they they were doing that a lot after winning matches, but I think they we should mention they did have a lot of injuries, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, in the second half season, I think if 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 Shimotaro was here to defend himself, he might say, "Well, you're not really judging me on you know I wasn't able to pick the best team. A lot lots of players were missing um, that I wanted to pick." But um, yeah, I think the 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 goal of the season pre-season, I didn't actually fancy them to be honest with that yeah. squad to get into the playoffs. I think we talked about it, didn't we? Back back at the time, and I think in a way. He, in retrospect, he might have been managing too well early on in the season, mm-hmm. and that yeah. probably raised expectations that they were either going to be second or at least in the playoffs. Mm. And then when they reverted a little bit to sort of the order that we expected a bit more, um, and ended mm. up finishing kind of ninth or tenth, then that that suddenly seemed like a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas for example, if you if you're Yamagata, you've spent like the entire season outside the top six and then sneaked in at the end. Well, yeah. that, that's that's a success. But if you're mm. in the playoffs for 40, well, or to maybe let's say 35, 36 rounds and then drop out, that's a failure. So it's uh, mm. perception. Perception is key. Um, I, I don't think he did such a bad job with with the available squad, but I do think um, he, he kind of was hoisted by his own time because he demonstrated early on the season he could manage them into the top six, and then he he ended up managing them out of it. So um, yeah, but it'd be interesting to see who they gain because again, I don't think without kind of investment in the squad or hitting up on a couple of really, really good sort of free or cheap um, transfers, I'm not sure who could come in and, and you know, make a massive improvement to, to, to what they do on the pitch. But um, it's just, my mind's just blanking on, on candidates at the moment. But I'm sure they'll, they'll appoint a new manager who can do well with that squad. Some of the football they played was really good. Yeah. Um, so that there's definitely potential there. It might just be how it looks on TV, but the pitch at the uh, the Big Eye Stadium looks absolutely massive, and they definitely use that to their advantage. They do getting the ball wide um, mm. quite a lot. Um, I wonder if there's any possibility they might promote. A, I think Ken Iwase is there, isn't he? Is the coach? I think he might have left. Is he left now? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's heading to Kanazawa then, perhaps. But um, joking. It's a joke, James. I'm joking. Well, Kanazawa are getting a new um, general manager. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, just to change the topic slightly, and mm-hmm. but just for a minute, Mr. Wada, who apparently was at Kanazawa till 2020, mm-hmm. he's been at Gamba. Mm-hmm. Gamba, yeah. so I guess at Gamba he would have worked with um, Katano Saka, who was Oita manager. So maybe he coming to Kanazawa. Who knows? Yeah, I did see some rumor that yeah, I saw a rumor that Katano Saka might be going back to Oita, but that that mm-hmm. seems would would be a strange one if it happened. But um. Yeah. 
I actually think considering the injuries that they had and the fact that the squad is quite thin, they did well to maintain a playoff challenge as long as they did um, yeah. this season. But yeah, ultimately, of course, the, the, the goal, you know, it's a, uh, it's a results-based uh, business, isn't it, James? And he mm. just didn't quite get enough results to keep the job. But I'm interested to see where, I think Shimotari will turn up uh, turn up somewhere else and his sort of like, uh, you know, guy liner, uh, you know, kind of... Um, <laughs> Visage is going to pop up somewhere in J2 next season, I'm sure. Yeah. I think, uh, it, yeah, well, these teams will all make their announcements about replacements in the next few weeks, I expect, uh, mm. in time for... Um, I think they should be forced. Before. I think they should be forced to just shuffle them and then they should be, like, drafted at random. <laughs> so, like, J, J2 should only have, like, 22 managers. Like, and they should be deciding about so You have to, when someone gets fired... You have to like have no management, and someone else gets fired, and they have to come in at your team. You know, um, what do you think? I think uh, the daylight is making you go a bit funny in the head. Okay, and, uh, that's I think fair. We should leave it there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, John. It's been good to talk to you about uh, about the playoffs and the managers. Always a pleasure, James. Yeah, sorry. Go and get some. Go and have a lie down. Go and have a lie down now. Yeah, so just to recap, on Saturday at 1 o'clock, Shimizu against Yamagata. And then on Sunday at 3 o'clock, Verdi against Jeff. And uh, we know that Ehime are going to come up from J3, but we don't yet know who's joining them because the battle to not finish second is still a pace in J3. And to keep you informed of all of that, here comes Mike Innes with J Talk Short Corner. J Talk Extra Time. Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Short Corner, the mini-pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J-League. I'm your host Mike Innes and in this episode I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 36 of the J3 season as well as previewing the round 37 matches, the season's penultimate round, coming up this weekend. There were three games on Saturday the 18th and each one featured a team just about clinging on to dreams of a top two finish but the day ended very differently for Matsumoto Yamaga, FC Osaka and Nana Club. With the last kick of the game at their Loto Field at home, Nara overcame SC Sagamihara to pick up three precious points. They had to come from behind to do so though and truth be told the visitors should have been out of sight by half time. Yuji Senema hitting the post early on while just before the break Shunji Masada didn't strike his shot cleanly enough to beat homekeeper Arnau. The Green and Black's only goal came on 14 minutes when Yuto Minakuchi got himself on the end of a free kick to the far post easing off the ball the appallingly positioned Sotaro Yamamoto and knocking it over the line. Despite their superiority then, Sagamihara went in only 1-0 up and Nana took control after the restart, finally pulling level midway through the second period. Tatsuma Sakai's first shot was blocked by Minakuchi, but he pounced on the rebound and with his second gave keeper John Higashi no chance. From then on, the hosts pushed for the winner they needed, Megumu Nishida hitting the post with a well-struck shot, Hayato Asakawa having a point-blank effort blocked by Higashi, and with the clock ticking into the last seconds of stoppage time, Arnau kicked it long and Kei Ikoma fed Nishida who advanced towards goal and clipped his shot inside the far post. Final score Nana 2, Sagamihara 1. Julian Marin Bazano's team stealing the win that puts them fourth. Kazuyuki Toda's Sagamihara remain 18th. For Nara, the victory. For Osaka, only a draw from their home match against strugglers Tegavajano Miyazaki. Daigo Furukawa put the Sky Blues ahead in the 25th minute with a bullet header from a corner kick. A ninth of the season for Furukawa, but his team never put the game to bed and Tegavajano began to threaten in the closing stages. Keigo Hashimoto forcing a good diving save out of Tatsunari Nagai with a glancing header and in the last minute of the 90, 
the home defence failed to deal with a high ball into the box from Kenta Okuma, which ran loose for Yohei Yamazaki to fire in from six yards. Could have been worse for Osaka, for in injury time, Nagai had to produce another excellent stop to deny Hashimoto for the second time. Final score, Osaka 1, Miyazaki 1. Two points dropped for your Shigaki's team, not the response the coach will have wanted after last week's battering at Sagamihana. They slip one place to sixth. A battling performance from Mitsuo Kato's Tegabajano, although they stay 19th. Which brings us to Matsumoto. The reality is Yamaga are very likely indeed to be looking at a third season in J3 after Masahiro Shimada's team were beaten at home by YSCC Yokohama. An inability to defend set pieces did it for Matsumoto. Eight minutes before half-time, a corner kick was headed powerfully in by Daiki Sato and on 67 minutes, a lofted free kick from Takahiro Nakazato was finished at the far post by Haruki Oshima, who looks as if he could hardly believe his luck at the awful home defending. At the other end, Jun Kodama tipped over the bar a volley from Kazuma Watanabe, and the Ptarmigans, sorely missing the invention and mobility of the injured Yusuke Kikui, slumped to defeat. Final score, Matsumoto nil, YSCC 2 Nothing to say about Yamaga other than that they are dogged by inconsistency. They drop to 7th. YSCC continue their extraordinary form under Kazuki Kuranuki, their 12th. Seven games then on Sunday the 19th, and first to look at the attempts of second-placed Kagoshima United and third-placed Katare Toyama to strengthen their claims on the single promotion spot behind the champions Ehime FC. Kagoshima, losers last week at FC Ryukyu, had a tough game in prospect at FC Imabari, on poor form but certainly capable of being a difficult opponent. Yasuaki Oshima's Kagoshima steadied their nerves with an early goal. Rei Yonezawa playing it in from the left. Home defender Hayato Teruyama unable to make the clearance. Jin Hanato firing in the loose ball. But this was a much improved performance from Imabari, who drew level on 63 minutes. Vinicius Araujo out-muscling Shosei Okamoto to hit the byline and get in the cross. Yuta Mikado burying the header. And 10 minutes from time, the Kagoshima back line were overrun. Vinicius playing it forwards for Marcus Vinicius, whose first shot was parried by John Ander Cerantes, but whose second was headed in at the far post by Hikaru Arai. Final score, Imabari 2, Kagoshima 1. Naoto Kudos Imabari bring to an end a run of three straight losses with a win that keeps them in contention. They're back up to fifth. Kagoshima continue to stumble one point from the last three games. And so, how about their nearest challengers, Toyama? They travelled to Vanrare Hachinohe, and with nine minutes left in a quiet opening period, it was Vanrare who opened the scoring. A long ball into the visitors' penalty area, half cleared by Ryuya Ohata, only for Aoi Sato to pick up possession and feed Oriala Sunday, who turned and fired in from ten yards. On the hour mark, the home side had a Sato goal ruled out for offside, while Sunday was a thorn in the side of the Katane defence throughout. How Michiharu Otagiri's Toyama would love a player like him at the moment, someone to help them locate their attacking mojo, absent throughout this game. Or at least until the 87th minute, when substitute Daiki Yagishita got goal side and was hauled down by Kodai Minoda, a red card for the Hachinohe defender, but Tsubasa Yoshihiro's free kick was off target. Moments later, Yagishita won a header which brought a point-blank save out of Yusuke Taniguchi. That was as close as they got. Final score, Hachinohe won Toyama nil. Vanrade get themselves back up into the top half. They're now ninth. 
while up among the teams supposedly looking for promotion, Katane stayed third. Kagoshima, despite their loss, remain one place above them in second. With no one else looking like they want to join Ehime FC in J2 next year, surely the mighty Mikans would want to celebrate their title win in style at Fukushima United. That's not quite how it worked out, as the hosts picked up comfortably their biggest home win of the year. Striker Hiroto Yukie it was who got Fukushima on the road to victory on 24 minutes, receiving a clever pass from Kota Mori, evading the challenge of Soda Ogawa and sending his shot inside the far post. Five minutes later, Mori made it too, receiving a threaded pass from Ryo Shiohama, twisting past Takuto Kimura and practically walking it into the net in a display of confidence and skill. Soon afterwards, Mori's curling shot brought a good save from Shuto Tsuji, but it was 3-0 by half-time. Toru Shibata delivering the cross, Yukie converting with a superb glancing header. The champions pulled one back 12 minutes into the second half, but they needed an own goal. An attempted block of Shunpei Fukahari's cross put into his own net by Fukushima veteran Tomohiko Miyazaki. In the minutes that followed, Kaito Yamamoto made a couple of good saves to keep Ehime at bay. One from Shunsuke Motegi's long-range free kick, one from a Ben Duncan header. And the home side restored their three-goal lead in the closing seconds. Hiroshi Omori heading in a corner with Tsuji and his defensive colleagues, claiming handball to no avail. Final score, Fukushima 4, Ehime 1. A first win in seven for Fukushima, and they climb to 15th. While very like this section of the pod, Ehime's five-game winning streak comes to an abrupt halt. And so we look further down the table for any club about whom the numbers say they can still get promoted to win a game of football. Azul Claro Numazu, FC Gifu perhaps. I'm afraid not. Gifu were beaten at Iwate Gurujan Morioka, Yusaku Ueno's side having had two excellent chances to go in front in the first half. Hirofumi Yamauchi was clean through on goal, only to pass his shot politely into the hands of Iwate keeper Kenta Tanno, who later pulled off a good save from Tomu Murata. And Gruja opened the scoring seconds before the break, Masashi Wada getting in the cross, Toi Kagami beating Tomoya Ugajin in the air to head it home. Gifu did equalise 11 minutes into the second half, Tanno getting a fist to Yoshihiro Shoji's corner kick, only for Yamauchi to hammer it into the roof of the net from 10 yards. The home side's winner came in the 71st minute, Len Fujimura floating in the free kick, keeper Chohuan Ono getting nowhere near it, Miyu Sato heading in at the far post. Final score, Iwate 2, Gifu 1. Gruja have already announced coach Tetsuji Nakamikawa will stay on for next season, his team now 13th. Gifu one point and three places above them in 10th. Numazu meanwhile became only the third team this season to lose at home to Kamatamari Sanuki. As Oklado were 2-0 down at half-time, Taiyo Shimokawa finishing off Nina Tominaga's cutback for the opener on 24 minutes, while 13 minutes later, Gentaro Yoshida scored the second from a penalty, awarded when Yoshida himself went down after the slightest of touches from Takuya Sugai. The home side almost pulled one back on the hour. Koke Inoue's header clawed onto the post by keeper Yusuke Imamura, and they did get on the score sheet in the 72nd minute. Yuya Tsukegi's header from Kotaro Tokenaga's corner, bouncing down off the crossbar and over the line. A thunderous shot by Takumi Hama, tipped over by Imamura, was the closest the hosts came to an equaliser. Final score, Numazu 1, Seneki 2. Azul Claro in 11th level on points with Gifu and YSCC. Kamatamari's first win in four sees them climb to 16th. 
Nine goals to cover in the remaining two games. So let's crack on with Gainane Totori against FC Ryukyu. Totori's Hiroto Sese crashed an angled free kick against the crossbar in only the seventh minute, and his team went in front eight minutes later. A tussle for possession just inside the visitors' area, leading to Atsuki Tojo setting up unmarked former Ryukyu defender Keita Tanaka, who finished with his right foot. Tojo put a chance for 2-0 wide soon afterwards, but just before the half-hour, the away team fought back with two goals in five minutes. Following a half-cleared Shaw Hiramatsu corner, Katia Nakano's volley was deflected in by Tojo to make it one all. Takuma Abe then putting Ryukyu ahead with his run and left foot shot. A poignant goal given the news that Abe will be released at the end of the season after four years with the club. Not that his teammates were able to hold on to the lead here, as Totori tied things up by half-time. Kentaro Shigematsu blasting a shot against the bar in a one-on-one. Taku Ushinohama hooking in the rebound. And Ushinohama put the hosts ahead 16 minutes into the second period, receiving the pass from Tojo and lashing his shot past Junto Taguchi. Ushinohama had two chances for a hat-trick, first when defender Makito Uehara cleared his goal-bound shot off the line, then when he put a header just wide. Final score, Totori 3, Ryukyu 2, a first win in five for Gainare, who have the third best attack and the third worst defence in the division. They jump to eighth. Ryukyu drop two places to 17th. Finally this week, AC Nagano Parseiro were at home to bottom side Giravance Kitakishu, stunning 6-1 winners over Iwate last time out. It was Nagano who were quickest out of the starting blocks in this one, Takashi Kondo hitting the post early on before Hiroki Yamamoto headed in Naoki Sanda's cross to make it 1-0 with 7 minutes on the clock. That cross from Sander was preceded by a short corner and an identical arrangement led to Parseiro's second 12 minutes before the break, headed away this time only for Kondo to fire a rocket of a shot into the bottom corner. But Giravance pulled the goal back just ahead of the interval, not through John Eboko, whose shot was blocked in a one-on-one with Kim Min-ho, but through Ko Seung-jin, who ran onto a through-pass from Takumi Wakaya and slid an angled shot inside the far post. And at the start of the second half, it was the visitors who were on the front foot. Yuki Nakayama's vicious shot forcing the save from Kim before Takaya Inui crossed from the left for the wholly unmarked Taiga Mayakawa to crash in the volley. Final score, Nagano 2, Kitakushi 2. Paseiro's rather unexpected winning streak comes to an end, but they remain 14th. Giravance are guaranteed to finish last, but at least are showing some positive intent. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 36. The top six are Ehime with 70 points, Kagoshima with 58, Toyama 56, Nara 54, Imabari and Osaka 53. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Fukushima and Sanuki with 43 points, Ryukyu with 42, Sagamihara 39, Miyazaki 38, and bottom of the table with 28, Kitakyushu. Two rounds left to go, one promotion place still to be decided, and of the top eight teams in the table coming into the weekend's games, only one of them, Nara, was able to win. This means eight teams from Kagoshima downwards are still mathematically in with a chance, although Totori and Hachinohe would require huge swings in goal difference. Conversely, Gifu and Numazu cannot now be promoted and will remain in J3 for 2024. 
Down at the bottom of the table, major twist in the promotion relegation situation. In the JFL, Reylak Shiga moved second on goal difference following their win and defeat for Sonny Sendai, while Rheinmeer Aomori are only a point behind in fourth. Shiga and Aomori are the clubs looking at licences for J3 2024, but with one game to go this coming Sunday, they need a second place finish. All this means Kitakyushu are now facing a potential home and away playoff to retain their J-League place. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 37 J3 fixtures this weekend when there are two games on Saturday the 25th. A pair of teams with an outside chance of a top two finish meet at Imabari where the visitors are Osaka. And Ryukyu play host to Gifu. Eight games then on Sunday the 26th. Second placed Kagoshima are at home to Numazu. Third placed Toyama travel to Miyazaki. Champions Ehime, meanwhile, welcome Hachinohe. Long shots Nana host Totori and Matsumoto make the trip to Sanaki. Elsewhere, YSCC meet Nagano, Sagamihara take on Iwate, and finally, Kitakyushu are at home to Fukushima. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains for me to say is, thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now.